talk about legacy. And what's exciting is that I actually, as I preach this message of my father, I'm actually standing in his shoes. Pray for me because he wears a seven and a half and I wear a 10. So, but I wanted to walk out his legacy today by wearing his shoes and I have his watch on my wrist. And today I'm going to preach his words. And I'm holding the staff that he talked about. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I want to share with you a verse that he shared in the book of Hebrews that talks about legacy. The faith chapter of the Bible. It's found in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. Guys, if you bring that up, verse 21. And I want everyone, all of our campuses, come on. I want to hear you all the way in Santa Paula and Blythe. All the way in Spain. Read this with me. You ready? Here we go. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons. I'm sorry. Let's try that again. Start again. User error. All right. The pastor. Here we go. Try it again. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. God, something I pray every single weekend is I pray that, Lord, I, I, I pray, God, I submit my heart, my mind, my tongue to you. And I ask that your spirit would speak through me. And I pray that today we will walk out of this room not having heard a message or a story or a joke. But Lord, we will walk out saying, God spoke to me. Anoint our hearts to hear and receive it. Let us be people who live out the legacy you called us to. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody shouted, amen. Amen. You may be seated today. Thank you, Ed. So I'm going to give you three things from this verse about legacy. Something that we pass on to the next generation. You know, we want to pass on wealth, houses, finances, and so on to our families. But as you're going to hear my father say, I think it's important that we leave a spiritual legacy. Yeah. And so today I want to give you three ways to do that. And the first way is this. Write this down if you're taking notes. Number one, leave a legacy of faith. Leave a legacy of faith. If you want to go to the Higher Vision app, you can follow along. The notes are there as well. I want to read to you back in the book of, of Hebrews where he basically says this in Hebrews 11. He says, by faith, Jacob blessed his sons and leaned on the staff. So I want to focus on the first element to, faith, or to legacy is faith. Jacob left a legacy of faith. Now let me just tell you a little bit about um, where we're going to go with this this morning. We're going to go back to the beginning of Jacob's faith for just a minute. If you don't know the story, Jacob at this moment was not a, a, an awesome guy. He made some mistakes in life. He had a little dysfunction going on in his family. Anybody got some dysfunction going on in your family? Come on, thank you. Twelve of you are honest. The rest of you sounds like lying is part of your legacy. Come on, th this family was messed up. I mean, he had stolen the birthright and the blessing from his brother. His mom helped him to steal it. His dad was showing favoritism to the oldest. The mom was showing favoritism to the youngest. Come on, this was a family that had some dysfunction going on. Now, he had stolen the birthright, and now, after his mom helped him to do it, he was running for his life because his brother wanted to kill him. And as he's running in the middle of all this deceit, in the middle of all these bad decisions, I want you to watch what happens because he ends up in this place where he stops for the night. Now he's on his way to his uncle Laban's house because he wants to live and not die. And on the way there, he stops. And when he stops, he has no place to sleep. So he ends up sleeping on the ground and he uses a rock 
for a pillow. How many know life's gotten pretty bad when you're using a rock for a pillow? When he falls asleep, suddenly he has a dream. And in this dream, he sees angels ascending and descending on this ladder. God speaks to him and tells him, listen, your father Abraham and your father Isaac, I'm the God of both of them and I want to be your God. And I'm going to give you this land that you're sleeping on. This whole area is going to be yours as your inheritance, just like I promised it to your father and your grandfather. And he went on to say, and I'm going to bless you and your descendants will bless the entire earth. And as you go on your journey, everywhere you go, I'm going to be with you. And when he wakes up, this is what happens. Let's take a look in Genesis chapter 28. By the way, I met someone last night named Genesis at the restaurant. And we introduced, she introduced herself and said, hi, my name's Genesis. And I said, I just talked about you today. <laughs> I said, you should come and check it out. When Jacob woke up from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and all, and all that you give me. He's telling God, I will give you a tenth. So I'm going to tithe. I'm going to make you my God. And the Bible says that he named that place Bethel, which means house of God. This is the beginning of Jacob's faith. He begins a journey with God. But what I find interesting is that when this moment happened, he took the stone that he'd been sleeping on, the stone which represented his running from his past, the stone that represented the hardness of life that he was experiencing because of his bad decisions, the, the, the stone that represented the pain from him not really serving and following God the way he should have. And what happens when he has this dream, he wakes up and he says, you know what, today, from this day forward, I'm going to follow God, I'm going to serve God, because here's the interesting thing. I just realized that God has been here with me the whole time, and I didn't even know it. And so he marks that moment by setting up this memorial to God. Now, why is that significant? Because here's what I think God's trying to teach us in this passage. Because what he could have done is he could have said, that was a weird dream had a little indigestion last night. Shouldn't have stopped by Taco Bell. <laughs> that was weird. And then he could have went on. He could have woke up and said, oh, that was kind of, that was kind of an interesting coincidence. I was running from my, my birthplace, my family, my brother's trying to kill me, the God of my parents. And I have this, that's kind of a coincidence. He could have went on. But instead he stopped and he said, wait a minute, this isn't a coincidence. This isn't something that just happened. I just realized that God is here and I wasn't paying attention to it. The point I'm making is simply this is, do you recognize God in the middle of your circumstances? Do you see God in the middle of your family? Do you see God in the middle of your business? Do you see God in the middle of your, your soccer games? Do you see God in the middle of your journey? Because people who leave a legacy, they point it out, they talk about it. When was the last time you stopped and you said, hey, kids, man, isn't it cool what God just did? Amen. Yeah. 
When was the last time you said, man, guys, isn't it cool? We went on this vacation. You realize that God blessed your dad with overtime. We didn't have it in the budget, but God blessed him with overtime. We had enough money, and now we're on this trip because God's a provider. When was the last time that your kids walked away from a situation and said, wow, God is in the middle of our family, and I didn't even know it? You see, we leave a legacy of faith because we recognize his faithfulness. We recognize his presence. When was the last time your kids came home and said, hey, mom, guess what? God was good today. He helped me pass that test. Or do we go, oh, wow, that's kind of a coincidence. Hmm, that was kind of strange. We got in that accident and we're like, man, it's a good thing we're okay. Rather than Aren't you thankful that God has set angels around our car and our house and that he protects us lest we dashed our foot against a stone? I'll give you some examples. You know, it's funny. Um, my son is in this service and I passed on a legacy to him. And um, it's not a spiritual legacy. I- I'll share what it is. I-, I-, I recently have started playing trombone. Come on, do we have any people that's gotten a little older that plays a little trombone? Okay. Thank you. Most of you have great sight. Good for you. <laughs> so I, I had an option. I could do LASIK, but then when I found out with the LASIK surgery they had, it was this monovision thing. And they said, you're probably still going to have to wear glasses. And I'm like, why would I want to get a surgery and still have to wear glasses? And so, um, so they gave me glasses and, and I, ha- I, was, I was using readers. And so I, I bought these glasses and, and I don't know what it is, but these glasses have legs. Because I'll set them down and then they walk away and then I come back and they're not there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's either that or the devil has sent some little little hiding demons into my house. Come on, does anybody else have those hiding demons in your house? And so I can't find them. I don't know where they are. It just happened to me. I was this week, I went on a trip. I was on my way to Dallas and I hurt my back and I was kind of having a rough time. And I get in the car because of all the stuff that was going on. And I'm driving to the airport and suddenly I'm like, where's my glasses? And of course I left them at home. Well, so I get home and uh, when I get home, I'm like, well, they, they're there because I used them the night before I went to sleep. So I start looking for him. I can't find him. Now some of you are like, what does this have to do with Tanner? Well, I passed this gene on to Tanner, but he doesn't wear glasses. For him, it's his keys. And so this week, and I'll kind of tie the story together, but this week I was, um, in fact, it was yesterday on Saturday, and it had been all week, I hadn't had my glasses, I was frustrated, I was using the backup pair, which aren't as cool and don't fit as good, you know what I'm talking about. So I'm, I'm, I've got these, these glasses I'm looking for, and I looked in my pants, I looked in my clothes, and my jacket, I looked on my desk, I looked under my desk, I looked under the bed. And so as I'm standing there, and maybe because I was thinking about this message and about Jacob, suddenly I thought about Tanner because here's what Tanner would always say. He, he suddenly would be like, you know, we're supposed to go somewhere. And he's like, guys, I can't find my keys. <laughs> and so suddenly the house stops everything. Everybody quits what they're doing because we got to help Tanner find his keys. He's got to go somewhere. So we're all looking around. And of course, he's like, and he'll say, dad, God's going to show me where they are. And sure enough, five days later, <laughs> he'll come walking in the house and say, dad. God showed me where they are. Uh, he's a little late, but praise God. <laughs> I thought about that, that, that story. In fact, now what's really awesome is he has a GPS locator on his keys. It's awesome. <laughs> so God's given him technology. Amen. I thought about Tanner, and I was standing there with my glasses, or no glasses, and I'm standing next to the bed by my, you know, the uh, uh, dresser, and I go, you know what, God? 
Jacob said, I was there, you, that you were there and you didn't even know it. Tanner asked you to help him with his keys. Please don't wait five days. <laughs> but you know what? I'd really like to find my glasses. And then randomly, this thought goes through my brain, look under the dresser. So I'm like, huh? Reggie? And I could have been, oh, that's kind of weird. And so what I do is I get down. Now, I'd already got down in that same spot and looked under the bed. I just hadn't looked under the dresser. And sure enough, I get down, little gingerly because of my back. I look underneath the dresser, and sure enough, what are sitting there? Tanner's keys. No, not really. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Sorry. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Couldn't help myself. My glasses. I pulled them out. And you know what I could have done? I could have said, huh, that was kind of weird. That's kind of a coincidence. Or I could have do, do what I did, which I got on the phone. I'm like, did that? She's like, did you use your glasses again? I'm like, yes. She goes, you do that every day. And I'm like, no, not every day, every other day. And then I told her, man, it was so awesome. I prayed. God showed me right where they were, and I found them. The point I'm making is, when was the last time you and I created a spirit and a heart in our homes and our business, in our soccer teams, and our, uh, that we were like, God is here. And I didn't even know it. God was faithful. Man, I'm feeling better. Thank God for ibuprofen, but thank God for Jehovah Rapha, my healer. The point I want to make is the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You see, what God's wanting us to do is to start to see the things that we believe. And I want to encourage you, if you start looking, you're going to see God everywhere. And I want to encourage you, your kids need to see him. They need to see him in your job. They need to see him in your family. They need to see him in your health. They need to see him in your relationships. So if we're going to leave a legacy, let's leave a legacy of faith that says God is here. And I'm thankful that God is in our family and that God is on this journey. Come on, somebody give Jesus a praise. Leave a legacy of faith. The second thing is we need to leave a legacy of blessing. Leave a legacy of blessing. I want to show you the next verse or the next part of the verse because it says, and Jacob by faith, what did he do? When he was old and dying, he what? Oh, come on. You can do better than that. I want want to hear Santa Paula. Come on. Somebody say, he what? He blessed each of Joseph's sons. The word blessed means to invoke prayer, a blessing, favor from God upon it's interesting because, you know, one of the things that happened, um, you know, so many years ago when there was the split and there was the Reformation, the Protestant Re- Reformation and the split from the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church, some of the things in the Protestant Church we've lost, and I think it's a, a sad thing. And one of those is that in the Catholic Church, people often will come up to the father or the, the priest and say, hey, father, would you bless my kids? And sometimes I'll have that happen. People will come and start coming to church and after church, they, maybe they've been Catholic in, the back, in their background and, and they'll come up and kind of are still learning that you know, things are a little different in a Protestant church and a, in a charismatic church or an evangelical church and they'll come and they'll say, hey, Father. I'd be like... <laughs> and I'll say, yes, I am one. <laughs> and they'll say, would you bless my kids? You see, as a, as a pastor, God's given me the authority to speak blessing. But you know what? He didn't just give me that authority. He's given it to you. And that's what happened with the, Jacob. He blessed his children through his prayer, through his words. In fact, I want to read a verse to you because I think it's so powerful. And um, 
And let me just say that this idea of blessing is important because not only do we see it in the Old Testament and what would happen in those days is that, that the father would call the children in, he would lay his hands on each of them and then he would pray over them and he would speak a blessing over them. And we find the same thing in the New Testament because the, the Bible says in the, the book of Luke that one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. And in the context, they were trying to, to get the kids away because Jesus was too important. He had too much on his mind and too many things to do. And Jesus rebuked that spirit and said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This idea of blessing is so important that you need to allow them and encourage the children to come to me. In other words, Jesus says this blessing is an important part of a child's life. And so how do we bless then as parents? How do we do it? Let me tell you two ways. Number one, bless with your words. I want to show you a verse that we read and we've talked about. Last weekend, I talked about spiritual warfare, right? About roaring and how that the enemy likes to roar like a lion. He's not a lion. We're the one that's the lion because we have the DNA of the lion of the tribe of Judah in our veins. So we're the lion that can really roar and that God wants to take our roar back. But we, we talked about our, our lips, our tongues, and how that our voice has the ability to speak life or death, right? But we missed the last part of that verse and its, and its value and its importance. Look at what it says as we go to Proverbs 18, 21. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. And that's where we stop. But we don't realize the rest of it says, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I began to realize that there's a lot of children, rather than thriving, they're starving. Because we're not giving them anything to eat. We're not nourishing their spirit. What are the words that are heard in your home when it comes to your children? Is it, why do you always come in late? You never turn in your homework on time. It's interesting because I, I watched a movie recently and it was a movie about Elton John and I want to say it's not a real family appropriate movie. Uh, but I, I just want you to know that, that being there and seeing it, what I discovered is there was a man who had tremendous gifting and yet his whole life he struggled with addiction and identity. And he ended up in all kinds of uh, horrible things. And here's the reason why. Because he lived in a home where his mom and his dad never spoke life. They never spoke good things. They never said, I'm proud of you. They never said, I love you. They never said that you're talented. They never spoke life. And so he was starving in his spirit. And he was starving in his calling. And he was starving in his destiny. Because the Bible says that we have the ability to bless and our children get to eat the fruit of that blessing. So the question is, are your children starving or are your children thriving? I'd rather my kids be obese <laughs> on my words. It's, it's a sad thing. I, I can think back to talking to my dad, which you're going to hear, uh, hear from in just a moment. When I was talking to my dad, he shared the story how that he was at my, my grandmother's deathbed. I only got to meet her on a couple occasions. I was a young child. And when she was sitting at the deathbed, he was holding her hand. And as she was about to die, they looked at each other. And it was kind of this moment of kind of like, I love you. I'm here for you. And as, as that moment happened and she breathed her last breath, what went through his mind is he said, you know, I realized in that moment, son, that I had never heard my mother say, I love you. Now, I know that was a different generation. I had someone come up to me after service last night and they said, you know, pastor, I grew up in a home, home that was very loving and in the sense of they were there, we had a great family, but you know what? I, my, my parents just never said that. 
And it's interesting because my dad grew up in that situation, and so he didn't know how to do it. And so because of that, my mom put on the pants of the family at certain times. Let me explain when. So whenever it was time for us to leave and, and you know, go home as, as adult kids or when we got in high school or whatever, we're going to leave or something, my mom would always tell my dad, okay, honey, go hug your kids and tell them you love them. He had come over, and then it was funny because he'd give me this awkward hug. Have you ever hugged someone that's like an awkward? You can tell they're not a hugger. So it's kind of like, and he would hug, and then he'd say, I love you. It's interesting because now I can say, even though my dad never was told he, he was loved, I can think of times, hundreds of times, thousands of times. And let me just say, he got better at the hugs as the years went by. And he got the better, better at the language as the years went by. The point was, is that today, I can, I feel like that I'm filled and enriched because of the words of blessing. You can do this. I love you. God has his hand on you. God has a plan for your life. In fact, today, can I give you the opportunity to hear the legacy roar through my father? Take a look at the screen. Jacob had something to speak into his kids and his grandkids, even though his life was coming to an end. Now, I've gone through some challenges in the last few years. This is my fourth bout with cancer. My wife goes to Africa each year, so she wants me to come down and stay with, with Wayman and be here with Jared and so they can keep an eye on me. And uh, one day, Wayman and I were talking, and he, we were talking about legacy, and we were talking about some different things. And he asked me, he said, Dad, what are some of the things that you want to make sure that your grandkids know? And as a result, I created a file on my computer now, I know just enough on the computer to be dangerous. <clears throat> and I began to list the things that I wanted to make sure that I communicated to my grandkids. So when Jacob's life was coming to end, he was careful to speak a blessing over Joseph and his sons. And when it speaks of speaking a blessing, it's talking about invoking God's favor over a person. I spend time in prayer, and I say, oh, God, and I call their names, and I say, Lord, I declare that the hand of God is upon them. I declare the favor of God is upon them. I declare the blessing of God is upon them. So, guys, whether you know it or not, I'm really laying it on. Amen. Now, it's great when a father can lay up material inheritance for their children, but it's so important that, that we leave a spiritual inheritance that's of such value. The greatest inheritance that you can ever leave your kids is to speak about God and the things of God. There are some things that each should desire to communicate. For Jacob, it was important for him to, to uh, speak a blessing over his kids. And it's up to us to make sure that we talk about God. We talk about relationship with Christ. 
We talk about spending time reading the Bible. We talk about pursuing the will of God for their lives. We talk about having godly friends. We talk about spending time in prayer, spending time in the presence of the Lord. We talk about about the Lord's involvement in their lives and them being involved in church. The import of the verses that I'm getting ready to read to you talks about this. It says, in these words, in Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7, said, in these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You need to underline those. You cannot communicate something that's not on the inside. You cannot communicate something that God is doing inside of you. So he's saying that it shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. And he tells you how. We think sometimes when we, when we teach our children, we're going to have to find some curriculum somewhere and teach something specific. But he tells us how it's done. He said, you shall talk to them when you sit in your house. When you walk in the way, now in our family, one of the most special times is whenever we, when we have dinner and we talk about our highs and lows and we share with each other what about those different things. And when you lie down and when you rise up, that we share with our grandkids and that we pray and let them know what we're praying concerning the will of God for their lives. Are we praying about the will of God for their lives? I said for many years to my kids that I would rather them that they move away in the will of God than live next door out of the will of God. And they all moved away. (laughs) And now I'm having to practice what I preached. But I still believe it. And that we become intentional in preparing our children and our grandchildren in them finding the way to fulfill God's purpose in their lives. You bless with your words. Not only that, but you prophesy with your words. You prophesy with your words. I want to share with you this passage when Jacob was at the end of his life. The Bible says that Jacob called together all his sons and said, gather around me and I will tell you what will happen to each of you in the days to come. Let me ask the question, not only have you told your children you love them, that you're proud of them, that you see God's hand on their life and that you see blessing on them and that, that God has a plan for them, but when was the last time you looked at your kids and said, you know what, I just want to let you know, I see, I see you when you get older marrying a Christian and, and going to church together and following God's plan and will for your life. I see that. When was the last time you prophetically spoke over your children and said, you know, I see that, that you, when you get married and you have a family, that you're going to make wise decisions and God's going to bless your business and your calling and, and you're going to be generous and you're going to give to the kingdom of God. You're going to be a tither. You're going to be a person who gives the missions and you're going to be generous to people around you. I see you're a generous person. When was the last time you spoke prophetically over their lives? You know, when I look at you, I see someone with integrity. God has placed his hand on it's going to make wise decisions and going to love people and care for people. 
Because our words, they speak life and they set the direction of our life. The Bible tells us in, in Proverbs 22, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. In other words, the word train means to initiate or launch. So the question is, are you launching them on the path that God has for them? Declare not just what they are, but what they're becoming. Declare what God is going to do. Begin to express in the spirit and express over their lives that God has a plan for them. And watch and see them walk it out and fulfill it and live up to the potential and live up to what has been spoken over their life. I can say that in my own life, my parents spoke prophetic things over me. One of the things that was prophesied over me as an eight-year-old boy at a service with a woman who was speaking that day, she randomly in the middle of their service called out this little eight-year-old boy, Jared Ming, called him up and spoke a word over him, began to talk about how that opportunity, many opportunities would come my way, but that, and the enemy was going to use opportunity to try to get me off the path of God's divine plan, that I was to seek the Lord and sincerely pray for God's perfect will and that he would lead me. And they told me that prophetic word and they spoke it over me. And many times in my life, I had opportunities to go and to Nashville and do recording contracts and to go do television shows and to do different things. And every time, you know what was in my mind? Wait a minute. Is this God's path or is this the enemy taking me off path of God's plan for my life? You see, God wants you to bless with your words. He wants you to prophesy with your words and leave a legacy of blessing. You all with me say amen. amen. The last thing I want to say is this, is that God wants us to leave a legacy of worship. Leave a legacy of worship. Look what the scripture says in this one verse. How powerful this one verse says that Jacob, what did he do? He worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Obviously being people of worship that have built a lifestyle of worship that our kids, let me ask you a question. Are your kids going to leave home saying, you know what? We always went to church as a family. We worshiped together as a family. We prayed together as a family. My dad just mentioned it a moment ago that what's in your heart, that's what you're to share. The sad thing is that so many parents don't realize that we're called to bring a spiritual legacy. So what we end up passing on to our kids is the love for the Detroit Lions or the, the Los Angeles Rams or the LA Dodgers or listen, there's nothing wrong with sports, but what's in our heart? Because what's in our heart is going to get out on our kids. And if you don't love the house of God, your kids won't love the house of God when they're gone. If you don't love to be generous and make God first with your finances, your kids won't be generous. Because what's inside of you will be, inside your leg, will be passed on in legacy to your offspring. Is worship part of your legacy? We worship with our life. You know, it's interesting. He said that at the end, that Jacob leaned on his staff and he worshiped. Now, at first glance, when you read that, you think, well, it makes sense. A staff is something when you're, you're tired or you're weak that you would lean on. In that time, they had a staff that they carried, often like a walking stick. They were in rural areas and wilderness areas and would have to you know, traverse hills. And so having a walking stick as you're older helps. And so you could think, if you look at the scripture, that it just means that when you're tired, you leaned on a stick because you're weak. But if you take a, a, a dive a little deeper into the history of that culture in that time, you'll realize that there is some evidence to suggest that there might be more. 
Because you see, the staff didn't just represent a stick to lean on when you were weak. The staff actually became something of value that was passed on from a father to his son. And on that staff were written, there were markings that were placed upon the staff. They didn't have photos and they didn't have pictures and phones and video cameras and things like we have today. So what they would do is they would mark on the staff significant moments in their lives that they would talk about so that when the kids were all around and they looked at grandpa and he's, grandpa Jacob is leaning on the staff and he's a little tired and they look up and they say, hey, hey grandpa, what's that? And by the way, this is a Jewish, um, a Hebrew character. He'd say, oh, well, let me tell you about this. This was, let me tell you about this. This was when I was a young man and I'd made a lot of bad decisions and I was running from your uncle Esau, who at the time hated me and wanted to kill me. And we had all this, these problems in our family. And I ended up in the middle of nowhere, sleeping on a rock. And, but guess what, guys? God showed up and he showed me that he had a plan for my life and he had a purpose for me. And, and suddenly I, I accepted God into my life. And this was the moment that my life changed because God stepped in. And my life has been different ever since. Oh, wow, Grandpa, that's awesome. Wait, 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 what, what's that one? Well, let me tell you about that one. That was the time, this represents a time when I finally got to your Uncle Laban's house. Or your, and, and when I was there, I, 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 things were going wrong. I was working hard, but I wasn't getting ahead. And I, I thought I was going to marry Rachel, the one I loved. But he, he snuck in Leah. And I got weak-eyed Leah instead of Rachel. And, and I had to work seven more years. And it looked like that I was going to have no inheritance. Even though I had the birthright and the blessing, I was far away from my family. But you know, God was looking out for me because he gave me this idea to go to Laban and tell him, why don't you give me the spotted and the speckled lambs? And so I did. And when I did, God began to grow my flocks and he made me wealthy and I ended up coming home. And now I, I have inheritance and blessings because I discover that God isn't just the savior, but he's Jehovah Rapha. I mean, he's Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides you guys. He's a provider and he'll provide for you. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you're looking at me and if you're looking at me and you're going, what, what, what's that? Well, let me tell you this one. This one is, this is the one where uh, my dad was about 52, 53, not much older than me, and he found out he had cancer. And uh, first time, and I'll never forget, my mom went to prayer. and You know what she said? She said, God, this is not his time. I am asking you for at least 15 more years because I want our grandkids to know their grandfather. I want him to be able to pour into their lives. And guess what? God didn't give him 15 years. God gave him 17 years. In fact, he, he blessed him so much that he actually overcame four different types of cancer because God is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And he's healed me. He's healed my dad. And he can heal you. And you can call on his name and by his stripes we're healed. Let me tell you about this one. Speaking about healing, this was just a few years ago when my mother-in-law, Devet's mom, ended up on Christmas in the hospital. Her whole system started shutting down and the doctors came. We sat at a table and they said, you need to make ready and prepare yourself. There's nothing we can do. And there was no hope, but yet, we had people in this church and people all around the country that began to pray. Suddenly things started turning around and 
her system began to work again and her kidneys started working again and miraculously she came out of that hospital and now she's alive and well, maybe even watching today as part of this service because Jehovah is the healer. And, and if he can heal my mother-in-law, he can heal you. Let me tell you about this one and I know I need to end, but this one's really cool because this one was when God told me to leave everything, my job, my security, and take my family on an adventure and move to a place called Valencia. We had no money, we had no people, we had no buildings, we had nothing. Yet every step of the way, when we didn't have anything, the first time we were praying and saying, God, we need money, and suddenly a $20,000 check showed up in the mail because a woman sold a property and God spoke to her and said, you need to give to that church in Valencia, California. And my kids, they saw the provision in the hand of God. And it wasn't just 20,000. It went to 50 and then it went to 150 and then it went to $400,000. God brought in to help get this church off the ground and miracle after miracle. And you are here today. Isn't it awesome? The faithfulness of God. I ask you a question. When was the last time you sat down with your kids he began to tell the stories of how God was faithful to you. That you leaned in and you lived a lifestyle that said, we're not going to lean on our own wisdom. We're going to need not lean on our own understanding, but we're going to lean on the goodness. Some may trust in horses and some may trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God because he is faithful and he's true. He's a high tower and he's a fortress in whom we can depend a legacy of thankfulness and worship, a legacy of blessing, and a legacy of God is here, and I want you to see him. If there's anything that roars out of my life, I love the Detroit Lions, but, and I'm believing in faith they're gonna win a Super Bowl. <laughs> I know it's a lot of faith. But the one thing I hope roars louder than anything else is that I'm not going to lean on my own understanding, but I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. And He will direct my paths and He'll direct your paths. Tanner, He's going to direct your paths. Caitlin, He's going to direct your paths. He's directing your parents' paths. You can trust in him. Leilani, you can trust in him. We can trust in the Lord with all our heart. Let us leave a legacy.